You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. It's a real privilege to have one of my best friends, if not the best friend I have in all the world. I say the world because he lives in Australia, which is halfway across the world. He's become an incredible friend to our church. He's been almost every year, as he mentioned, to our church as well. And so would you give Brother Bax a gospel-like welcome as he comes and preaches the first message in our missions revival. Good morning, everyone. Uh, listen, you've got to do better than the early crowd. There's more of you. Ready? Good morning, everyone. Good to have you here. Welcome. And uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Eric. I mean, we, we've just um, uh, enjoy, I, I love it every time I get to come here. And uh, every time your pastor gets to come to Australia, we just love it. And I appreciate uh, some of you young guys who came out. Mo brought a team out last year, I think it was, and uh, then went to Vanuatu and uh, spent some time there with Jeremy and Liz over in Vanuatu. For those of you who have been um, uh, maybe following a little bit of Jeremy and Liz's journey, what's taken place when she just had the little baby Sophia and came back to Australia to have the baby... Uh, only to find out shortly after having the baby, a few complications happened and she had an appendix, appendix attack, uh, went into hospital and then when they done the, pulled the appendix out, they tested it and found out that she had a rare cancer on her appendix. And it was the cancer that, uh, one of those real rare ones, that was the cancer that killed Steve Jobs. And so there was uh, a medic guy had enough money to try to do what he could do and he died. And so it was a bit of a difficult situation for him, went through a series of things and uh, just in the last month or so, uh, Liz had an operation, had pretty much half of her well, left-hand side of her bowel removed, and uh, she's now cancer-free and up and ready to get back into doing the work over there in Vanuatu, and uh, they appreciate Gospel Light incredibly, and I know Jeremy was here just for Teen Rev in July and uh, absolutely uh, loves uh, you guys and appreciate everything you're doing for him, and as his pastor, let me say thank you to you. Uh, for supporting Jeremy Panera and Liz Panera in Vanuatu and uh, the guys, I think it was Nick went over there and, and uh, who else went? There was a few of you, sorry, Mary and Nick, they were over there and um, I'm not sure if you said they're going back again and I know, uh, there he is there, I can see him, big chief. <laughs> so I can see him there from there, good to uh, have you guys supporting over there. Well, here's what I'm going to do this morning. I started, uh, I told the early church, this is a bit of a, uh, when you come to missions conferences, it's very hard to sort of summarize everything you want to say about missions in one single message. You know, uh, it's sort of like a, a restaurant meal, and you sort of start off with your appetizers, and then you want to go to the entrees, then you want to have your desserts, and then maybe have some coffee at the end, and all those sorts of things. So this is a little bit like the appetizer. This is sort of begins off this whole thought on uh, lift up your eyes. You've seen all the videos and the presentations and the theme song, what a great song it is. And I love that little phrase on go to the masses, go to the absolute masses. I was in India this year and I'll talk a bit more about that this week. And what, a, what an incredible sight to be able to go to a place and preach to masses and uh, see what's taking place over there. But in this passage of scripture, if you're in John chapter four, which is where our theme is coming from, there's this passage of scripture and this little phrase in verse 35 comes up and it says, lift up your eyes. And I don't think Jesus was 
specifically when he was talking to his disciples right there, I don't think he was telling them, listen, you were looking down at the ground. I want to change the trajectory of your view. I don't, I don't think he was telling them, lift up your posture. He was trying to get them to see things differently than what they were really seeing, to see with God view eyes, to see a perspective that God would see from there. And he mentions words like harvest, fields, white, and they're unusual sort of words when we think about how Jesus described things because we don't live in an agricultural society. We don't live in that. And I asked the first crowd, but let me ask you, how many of you actually grew up on a farm and did farming? There's a couple of you here that did farming. And I'm not talking about the veggie patch in the backyard. You know, I'm talking about real fed income farming, not, not too many. So we don't really comprehend a lot about it. But Jesus had this saying, and in the beginning of that verse, it says, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Now, I don't think too many of us have said that recently. I don't think too many of us in the last year have said, uh, hey, have you, any of you said uh, four months till harvest? I mean, I don't think, we don't say those sort of things. Uh, you might say something like, oh, it's only three months till Christmas. Boy, I better get those presents ready or whatever, you know. But we don't talk like, well, you know, say ye not, there are four months and then cometh the harvest. How many have said that one recently? Anyone? Nobody. We don't say it because it's not the world we live in. And so when you think about Jesus' conversation, he's, he's dealing with this idea of an agricultural world. We live in a smartphone world. Apps, computers, everything else. We don't sort of deal with the concepts. So when we think about it, I want you to understand, in order to grab what he's saying, the concept of what Jesus is saying, you've got to look at context. And context will then give you clarity about really what's taking place. And so when he starts talking about words like harvest, when we think of that, the general population will think of things like, oh, isn't that wonderful? That's blessing. In the, we think in the Christian world, oh, harvest means blessing fruitfulness, bountifulness, oh, wonderful things. We've just reaped the harvest. But if you are in the farming agricultural world, it doesn't mean that. It means hard work. It means getting up really early in the morning, staying up and going to bed really late at night. It's, it, it costs you. It takes your time. It's your energy. It means there is a lot of work about to happen. When you think of harvest, this is harvest time. It's not easy. Sit back with your feet on the couch and put your feet up. No, no. This is jump in. We got a lot of work to do. Roll your sleeves up. This is big business. And so when Jesus says, I want you to lift up your eyes and see a harvest, he's telling you, get ready for hard work. Get ready to invest. Get ready to, to put your boots on because we've got a huge, huge job. But here's what it's about. The results of the harvest are incredible. That's what we love. We love that. But to get the harvest, you've got to get out and do the work. The corn doesn't pick itself. You've got to get out there and pick it. You've got to get out there and do the work. So when we think about this verse, I want to bring you back in the context of what it, why he even said it. Why did Jesus say, lift up your eyes and look? Look up. What, what, what do you even say that for? And I want to look at it in three ways. The, how this passage sort of revolves around what Jesus did and then how he used the woman in this passage and then finally with the disciples. 
to where he gets to the point of getting people to lift up their eyes because really it's about us. It's about us today learning, God, how do you want us to lift up our eyes? Why should we? How do we? What does it mean for us? So here's the first thing I want you to jot down if you're keeping notes on your worship guide. What does it mean for us to lift up, their, lift up our eyes? How do we do it? What, where is it all coming to perspective for us? Here's the first thing I want you to think about. If we're going to lift up our eyes and see, we have to stay on mission. In other words, we have to have a purpose for what we're doing and where we are. Now, in the context in John chapter 4, Jesus is uh, up in Jerusalem and he's about to head north back home to Galilee. Uh, I was in Israel a couple of years ago and if you've ever been in that area of the world, it's it's a journey downhill from Jerusalem, but you're heading north way up into this area. And to get up to that area, most uh, Jewish people would travel around a certain country called Samaria and then go up across the Jordan, go up and then into Galilee. And I traveled a little bit of that journey and uh, watched what took place. It's quite a, and you sort of brings it into perspective. So Jesus is there saying, I'm in Jerusalem, I've got to get home. But he says on the journey, he's leaving Judea, going to Galilee. And there's this statement that says this, and he must needs, he must needs go through Samaria. In other words, I have a purpose I'm on a divine mission. I have a reason. I've got to get through this place called Samaria. This is an area where I have to go through. I'm not just getting home. I've got a purpose on my way home. I'm heading to a place called Samaria. When he gets down to Samaria, he parks outside of a city. It's sort of like a rest stop area. There's a well outside of the city. And the Bible tells us that it was a place called, there was a place called Sychar, so you can still see these places today, and it was an area that Jacob many, many years ago had purchased the land, and then the Bible says Jacob's well was there, and Jesus being wearied, and aren't you glad that the Bible tells us Jesus got wearied? It makes us feel a bit better, you know, if he got wearied, it doesn't make us feel bad when we do, and he got wearied in his journey, and he sat thus on the well, it's about the sixth hour, Jewish time, starting from 6 a.m. in the morning, He's around about midday. So it's about noon. He's tired. He sits on this well there that Jacob had built. What I love about this as a side note is that Jacob left a legacy for generations to come. 1,700 years ago, Jacob built a well at that time. And that that well is the well that became the pulpit for Jesus. And I think, I wonder whether Jacob even realized that for generations to come, people will be drawing from something he built. And I wonder, here's what we want to think about. This missions conference, you may be building something, you may be investing in something that for generations to come, people will benefit from. That's what we get involved with. And I wonder in your life, you say, what legacy am I leaving for generations to come? I guarantee you, most of you here are benefiting from something that someone else has labored for you to have in this place here at Gospel Light. There have been people who've gone before us. It's the same back in Australia. There are people who would have prayed over this place and would have set things up and we benefited from what they have done in generations before. Now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to build, our turn to do some things and to do that. So Jesus is there in Samaria. He heads to this place and you sort of think, well, why would a a Jewish man head through a place called Samaria? Now here's what I want you to think of, context. When we say the word Samaritan, what do you think of? What do you think? Good Samaritan. 
that was not in the vocabulary for the Jewish people. Good Samaritan didn't go together. It was evil Samaritan, bad Samaritan, wicked Samaritan, idolatrous Samaritan. We want nothing to do with the Samaritan people. We are culturally different, racially different, religiously different. Uh, We are warring factions. They're the ones who came and, and desecrated our temple. We want nothing to do with these Samaritan people. And you say, well, why on earth is Jesus heading through Samaria? Most Jews would avoid it, avoid it, wanted nothing to do with it, wouldn't want the dust of Samaria on their shoes. Why is Jesus doing it? Because Jesus is on purpose. Jesus is on mission. Jesus said, I have a reason behind what we do. And most people are saying, these people bother us. We want nothing to do with it. But Jesus is on an absolute divine mission trip. That's why he's doing it. Why are you gathering this week for a missions revival? The reason is, is because you ought to say, I want to be on divine mission. I want to stay on mission so I can lift up my eyes and see it. Because Jesus is, this is the mindset of Jesus. I'm going to people and I want to reach people that often others exclude. That often people forget about. That often people want nothing to do with. That's part of my people group. That's some of the groups that I'm reaching. I want to put more more time and energy than the people put on their pet food like we heard in that little that little skit. I want to put it into people. And that's where Jesus is. And I wonder in life, are there places, are there countries, are there peoples that we sometimes avoid, block, don't want to really think about, uh, push aside? For example, recently in, a, in our region of the world, there was an uh, earthquake and then a tsunami hit Indonesia. If you know anything about Indonesia, it's an extremely strong Islamic country and uh, very much a lot of hot terrorist cells are there in, in Indonesia. And there is a lot of issues that happen with Australia and Indonesia with Islam and things that happen from there. And when the tsunami hit, there was photographs that came up that the tsunami had wiped out one of their mosques and just obliterated a, a Muslim mosque. And there were some people sort of saying, well, isn't that great? God's judgment on those people. Let me tell you, that's not how Jesus thinks. Jesus said, I want to lift up your eyes. Because if we think that God excludes people, we've missed the mission. The reason why there's only a minute amount of people going to those countries who saw on those slides is because many of them are closed off from getting opportunities to get into because they are people that oppose the gospel. And we ought to say, God, let's not... Just because governments have closed it off, you haven't. Your eyes are still upon these places. These people still need the gospel. These people still need Christ. And we need to remember that we have a God who is for all nations. He's not just a God for some nations. And when, when Jesus is saying, I want you to lift up your eyes, I'm heading through Samaria. I'm going to a place where people want nothing to do with. And I'm so glad that Jesus said, uh, I'm going to head to places in, in America where people don't want play, no, anything to do with, in Australia where people don't want nothing to do with, and he reaches out to every single person. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. That he's not an exclusive God from there. And, and his whole purpose, when we start to think about God, is that I want every kindred, every nation, every tongue, every people. Heaven is an international affair. And if we think that heaven... Is, uh, is just a place where 
it's just going to be full of white people speaking English, we've made a very, very small miscalculation. Because most of the world are not white and most of the world do not speak English. Most of the world are Asian. You understand that? We have, we have Asians here. We have people from that background. We have, we have most of the world, one out of four people are Chinese. One out of five people are Indian. We have, you understand, we have multitudes of people who need to be reached for Jesus Christ. And if we sort of say, well, I'm just going to go with the people who I associate with or feel comfortable with, we've missed the mission of Jesus. That's why we support mission work. That's why we say, let's get out to a world that's every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every, this is who Jesus died for. And him going through Samaria says, hey, let's get out of our comfort zones. Let's jump up into these places. So he heads down, he meets this woman uh, at this well, and she's, she comes to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink? Because his disciples, he sent them off to go get some food. And you understand, this lady wasn't coming to meet Jesus. She was coming there, and if you're following through these notes, she was coming there because she had a simple human need. She was thirsty. She was looking for something that she needed to physically take care of herself. She ends up having a God encounter. She didn't wake up that morning thinking, I'm coming to church, I'm going to go meet with Jesus. That wasn't on her mind. And you understand most people on mission fields who are we're trying to reach people, that's not on their mind either. They are simply going about their daily business because they have their own personal internal needs, physical needs, and they're doing that. Missions work is about helping people have God encounters and to come into these moments. And she's from a place that we, we don't really know much about. We, she has no name. She has no, no, no heritage. She's in the, coming in the middle of the day. She's, she's outcast from her own society. And here is this woman whom Jesus sits on a well and waits for. That, that just blows my mind to even think about that. The saviour, the creator of the world, who spent three years in ministry on earth, sits on a well and waits, as busy as he was, for some nameless Samaritan outcast woman. And that just tells me so much about our Saviour. Why did he do that? Because he was on mission. He, he's on time with what, what he has to do. And, and this is where he is. And, and I sort of wonder at times, he could have walked right by me. He could have walked right by... I wasn't... I'm so glad Jesus waited on me. Aren't you glad he waited on you? That he didn't just bypass you, that he waited till you got through your crazy self got over all your messed up stuff and went through stuff and he said, I'm still waiting. I'm still here waiting for you. And this is our waiting saviour who was on absolute mission. So if I'm going to lift up my eyes, I need to be like Jesus and stay on mission. The second thing I need to do is share a message. And I need to have perception in order to be able to see what he sees and understand what is going on. Now, if Jesus was going to break into Samaria, you would think this. I'm going to go, he's going to go to the leaders, the priests, the judges, the magistrates, but instead he goes to this nameless Samaritan woman, this outcast woman, and he's asked her for a drink. And in her arrogance, she turns back around and says to him, missing the God encounter, missing the fact that she's having a conversation with God in the flesh, she doesn't get it, 
and here is what he turns or she turns around and and she says listen i've got a problem you're a jew and you're asking me for a drink and we got a bit of an issue i'm a woman we don't normally discuss things men and women in that culture don't do that and secondly i'm from samaria and the jews have no dealings with us why are you doing this why are you having this conversation and here is the reason because jesus is focused on hurting people he is focused on people that have hurts he's focused on the thirsty people and this woman was thirsty in the social media sense as well she's she's looking for stuff grave craving for things and she comes to a a well looking for water and what she doesn't realize is there was a well sitting on a well what she was after physically jesus was spiritually what she knew about she knew everything about jacob's well she just didn't know everything about the well of jesus and he was the true well he was the one who had this had the real stuff she's coming to jesus he starts this conversation he's blocking her from getting to what she thinks she needs and she's saying you're an obstacle to me he was actually an opportunity do you realize how many people around the world see jesus as an obstacle and he is the opportunity for life and our job is to share the message our job is to lift up our eyes and realize there are people everywhere who need to hear the gospel who need to hear these things and jesus says this to her after she sort of rebuts him and and argues back he turned around and this this little statement sort of blows my mind too he says this if thou knewest if you only knew who it was that was talking to you if you knew lady what i could give you you would be asking me give me a drink give me this living water and the problem was she didn't know do you know why most of the world don't get saved they just don't know think about this there are people here in hot springs your neighbors workmates people around if they really knew if they could comprehend and perceive that this is what the gospel is and this is what jesus christ can do for you everyone would just say i'll take it but they just jesus said if you just knew and this is god in the flesh talking to this woman and he said if you just knew you're just seeing everything earthly you're missing the divine you're missing the god encounters and i wonder how many times people come to church week after week sunday after sunday and miss that god encounter through that song miss that god encounter through that message miss that god encounter through that conversation and god was saying if you only knew if you only knew if you could just get it this woman then starts to argue back and she throws back and and, and she says listen sir you've got nothing to draw with how are you going to give me water was this some sort of pickup line or what was this you know what was going on here you meet me at the well in the middle of the day what's happening you got nothing to draw with and you're offering me a drink and don't you know aren't you around from this area this well is deep i mean how are you going to do this and he said and then she gets a bit sarcastic and she said are you greater than our father jacob well he actually was <laughs> he gave us this well in fact no he didn't um I'm the one who created everything. I mean, he could have easily re, you know, threw a few lines back at her, snappy answers back. And she's saying, you know, he gave us this and we drank and our children and his cattle. Always bothered me about the cattle drinking from the same place that the humans were drinking. But anyway, that's how they did it. But here he was. 
and, and she's saying, you've got nothing to drink, you've got nothing to draw with. And right there, I thought, Jesus looks at her and said, oh, yes, I do. I'm looking at my bucket. You're my bucket, lady, because you're on my bucket list. I'm going to use you to draw the water. See, see, what you don't understand, lady, is I'm going to put living water in you, and you're going to be a bucket and you're going to carry that water for me and bear my name to people that I'm going to go out and reach people and pour that water out to them because you're my bucket. I'm going to use you. You're a good bucket. See, that's what Paul, that's what they said about the Apostle Paul. He was a chosen vessel to bear his name. And I wonder this morning if you realize that God's choosing people to be his buckets. I'm not sure if you noticed all the buckets up on this platform here this morning singing playing instruments that they'd come in and said god fill me fill me so i can pour back out to these people that are coming in that i can give water to people there were buckets out there this morning who were who were just greeting people there have been buckets here cleaning stuff fixing stuff there have been buckets everywhere being used of god and god is saying i want you to be a bucket i want you to feel i want to fill you with what i have so you can pour out to others be a bucket for Jesus. One of the ways we can do that and get involved with missions is you fill out this little thing, this. This helps other buckets. This helps other people get gospel out. This helps being doing things. And God is saying, would you bear this for me? And you know what I think is quite interesting? Some of the people who've gone through the worst things in life make the best buckets. This lady becomes an incredible bucket to reach a whole bunch of people that no one else was reaching. And she gets out and does this stuff from there. And then Jesus makes this incredible proposition to her. And he says, listen, if you go drink from this well here, you're going to thirst again. But if you take what I've got, you'll never thirst. And he starts to dig into something deep inside of you. And he said, you've been looking everywhere to get some help. You've been trying to find satisfaction everywhere. And what she didn't know was she needed him. And what most of the world do not know is that they need Jesus Christ. And they need someone to be a bucket to tell them that you are dying of inner thirst, that you're parched on inner thirst. You're searching for, through religion to get satisfaction. You're searching through pleasure to get satisfaction. You're searching for money to get satisfaction. But what you really need is Jesus Christ who can give you the inner living water and give you the thirst quenched that you desperately need. And we need buckets to go out there and pour that out to people. That's what this is all about. That woman turns around and she turns and says, Sir, give me this water then. Would you give me what you're telling me about? Uh, uh, just give me it. I don't want to come here anymore. And Jesus right then could have easily been the creator God, you know, whacked up a Slurpee, given her a bottle of water, give her a frozen Coke, whatever he wanted. He, he didn't do that because he said, You don't need physical. You need something spiritual. So Jesus comes back and says something to her. And he turns around and says, Here's what I want you to do. Go get your husband, and, uh, and we'll be fine. And she's a skillful speaker. She dodges the issue. She says, well, I don't have a husband, so uh, can I have the water, thanks? And he says, yeah, I realized that was what you were going to say. That has well said, I don't have a husband. Because uh, you really could have done the program Real Housewives of Samaria. I mean, Seriously. Uh, we're, we're right out here, desperate housewives. You, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're shacking up with who crawled out the window this morning, he ain't your husband. Uh, you know, we got, we've had some problems. Jack didn't work out. 
you know, Lonnie was a loser. Wilson, you know, he was sort of 50-50, had a bit of a tough run, run of it from there. Thaddeus, he didn't last too long. Abdul was bad news. We know about Abdul. And Roger, right now, he's not the one for you. And she's gone through five guys. She's on number six. And now she has a perception that I've hit number seven, the perfect one. And he's different than everything else. And she's hit the number seven guy here. And here's what I love about it. Jesus right now could have just gone straight at this woman and said, let me tell you, lady, you're living in fornication. Your whole life is for a sham. And he could have just ripped it into her. And I'm so glad the Bible tells us that he didn't come to condemn this world. He came to save this world. He's not condoning, but he's not condemning. He gives her an unfathomable offer. He doesn't give us some righteous lecture. And let me tell you what we need. We need some buckets who are going to go to some people who are in the wrong part of town, who are just going to say, we've got a great offer for you. We need some people who are going to sit down with the wrong person. Someone has to look in the face of people who are on number six. They've gone through five rehabs and ready to go on number six. They've gone through five of this and ready to do that. They've done five of this and ready to do number six. Someone needs to walk up to those people and say, let me be a bucket and share the incredible news of Jesus Christ to you. This is what we do. And I'm so glad when Jesus saw her, he didn't give her a righteous lecture, but he gave her an incredible offer. And I'm so glad he gave me that offer. And now I'm saying, God, let me be a bucket and give that offer to others. That's what it's about. Because Jesus said, I know this world is broken. Lady, I'm in this body right now because of you. I'm on earth because of you. I'm here because of the broken world. I'm here because of this. And right then, this woman turns around and she starts to perceive something. She says, I don't know what you've been doing, hacking in my Facebook, checking my emails, I don't know what you're doing, but you know all about me. And uh, I perceived you got some difference. And here's what I find funny. I've traveled at different times and, um, and traveling around and you're on the plane and you're chatting with people. And I remember, you know, some, some bloke will start to unload his life on you and tell you all these things he's doing. He's, he's dropping all these swear words everywhere and curse words and he's, he's saying all this stuff and, and he's telling you all these inner secrets. And, and then he says, and so what do you do? What do you do for a living? And you say, well, actually, I'm a pastor. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh well, yeah, well, 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 I shouldn't have probably said what I've told you and I've got to back up and change the topic. Well, I'm so glad you're a pastor because I have some Bible questions I'd like to ask right now. Oh, well, this is this lady. She's had this perceived moment and she spins around. She said, well, how about we talk about worship right now? Let's switch to a religious topic. And she starts talking about worship here. And, and Jesus turns around and says, let me tell you, lady, you have no idea what to worship. You, you know how to worship, but you just don't know who to worship. And they deal with worship after worship after worship. And he deals with stuff. And simply Jesus is saying, what really needs to happen, lady? You need to get connected to God. And you're missing this. And he wants to bring it down. And right here, this lady is now lifting up her eyes. And she starts to lift up her eyes. And, he says, and she says, I know when Messiah comes, he's going to tell us everything. And Jesus turned around and said, listen, who are you talking to? Look at me. Lift up your eyes. I that speak unto thee. And he. And right then her bucket's getting filled. And, and he says, as soon as he says, I am he, right then, perfect timing, the disciples walk in the room. They st- not, not a moment before, not a moment after, and they hear Jesus say, I'm he. 
they see an expression on this lady they don't know what to say John the, John the beloved puts down what was in their minds they're a little bit embarrassed they thought what are we who was he talking to her for what's going on but there's a whole perception change she races off and she leaves her water pot because she doesn't need that physical anymore she's got something internal she's the bucket and she takes off and she runs in and she goes sees the men of the city whom she's very familiar with and she said come see a man which told me all things and they're saying come see a man yeah who is he this time this is another one another guy no no he's different i think this is the christ there is something that's changed there is something different and her words turn around and the entire city starts to come out to see jesus meanwhile back at the ranch jesus now switches to the disciples he said i'm on mission lady i'm teaching you to share a message like i just shared with you and now you're my bucket and you've lifted up your eyes go and do your job while i now go back to my disciples because they haven't got a clue how to seize the moment and they need to seize a moment and get perspective they need to work out what's happening because two things are on the mind of the disciples here is what's on the mind of the disciples number one we're annoyed we're annoyed that you sent us into town to go get some stuff we're annoyed this 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 is the thing you're talking to a woman and uh, this is bothering us Uh, there's some issues going on here Jesus we don't know what's going on she's a Samaritan woman we've got prejudice issues and and we're a bit annoyed second thing that's on my mind is my appetite we just went and got all this food and uh, it's time to eat let's just eat and get out of this joint let's just move on from here and and furthermore Jesus uh, there's there's something something not right here and Jesus does this he he, they're around and they're saying Jesus would you eat master eat you sent all 12 of us away all 12 of us to go get some food you wouldn't even let any of us hang around you sent 12 of us away and we come back you're with a woman and you're not hungry something doesn't add up here and jesus said it's not what you not what it looks like because you guys have got a completely wrong perspective see jesus then gives them a mini sermon and he said i got meat to eat that you know not of and right then it's one of those disciple moments where they're packing the food back in the brown paper bag or whatever they got it in and they're thinking we haven't got a clue what he's talking about he's talking about food and he's eating this we don't know about this food what on earth is he talking about and they're not really sure and and jesus is simply saying i'm on purpose i have a mission mind but the problem with you guys you guys are just thinking food because all they're saying is what has someone brought him something to eat well what's going on here someone slipped a protein bar to him or what's happened where's he what's going on here we don't we've got a clue what's happening because what was happening in the disciples is they were meal-minded jesus was mission-minded and this becomes the crunch for us because we can be like the disciples too where our perspective is off where all of a sudden we're just thinking we're just absolutely consumed with other things jesus said here is what i'm what my whole life is he said my meat i get fed from doing the will of god this this is what feeds me this is what does you're thinking happy meal i'm thinking harvest this is what i'm dealing with and the disciples are simply just all concerned about consumption and they and jesus is concerned about contributing this mission conference is about contributing it's not about consumption it's about saying i've already received the living water 
I've already received from Jesus Christ. Now I need to be able to give back to others. I need to have a life that is not a life marked by consumption, but it's a life marked by contribution. What am I going to do with my life? God used me as a bucket for you. And the question comes up in, in all of us, we have to ask this, am I meal-minded or am I mission-minded? What, what's my perspective on all these things? Where am I at this? Because I want to be honest with you, I've wasted so many of my days focusing on my needs, my meal, my next thing, my next thing, my need for convenience sometimes has kept me from knowing about the food of God's calling. My, my need for comfort has kept me from the food of what God wants to do. My need for preference has kept me from his purpose because I get meal-minded, focused on what I need, what I want, what's happening in my life, this bill, that thing, this, and I miss the mission. And Jesus is saying, would you lift up your eyes? Now we've come to our text. He said, I want you to lift up because you're so focused on yourself. You've missed it. And I want you to seize a moment. And I want you to look on the fields because they're white, all ready to harvest. I'm going to have our worship team come as I get ready to close here. But I want you to think about this. He's saying, well, Jesus is saying, well, I want you to start to look at a mission. And they're saying, well, what, what do you mean, Jesus? Well, I have to try to get this lady to lift up her eyes and she's become a bucket for me. And I want you to start to see what you're going to enter into. There's a harvest here. He said, I want you to lift up your eyes because there's a harvest. And the fields are already white under harvest, which simply means they're ripe right now. You keep saying, well, one day it's going to be ready. One day I'm going to do this. Four months is going to happen. And then this, Jesus is saying, I want you to seize a moment now. I want you to see an opportunity. And if they lifted up their eyes, what would they have seen coming? A whole bunch of people from Samaria coming out. And Jesus said, I want you to see this. And all they would see was a whole bunch of Samaritan people. You know what they saw? 500 years of hostility coming towards them. All they saw was racial tension coming towards them. All they saw was prejudice coming towards them. All they saw was cultural barriers and differences coming towards them. And Jesus says, there's your harvest. And they said, no, no, get, get rid of these problems. Jesus, let, let the, Samaritans, the Samaritans are coming, get rid of them. And then let's talk about the harvest. And Jesus said, this is your harvest. But it seems like hard work all this. It seems like we've got to go to places and meet people and do things and get involved with things that are uncomfortable. That's your harvest. See, sometimes your harvest is in your problem. See, it's hard work. And if the devil can keep you from recognizing it, he'll keep you from reaping it. And you'll miss the harvest. And the opportunities are right there. This missions conference gives you another opportunity to say, see a harvest. It's work, it's commitment, it's time, it's resources, it's energy, but the results are worth it. And I've got to say, I'm going to jump into this thing. Otherwise, I get so meal-minded and I miss it and I miss the mission opportunity and I, I, I push away from it where we need to sometimes look at the difficulties of life and say, Father, thank you for the harvest opportunity. 
Here's a harvest right now. I have an opportunity to do that. And Jesus is simply saying, I want you to lift up your eyes. It's harvest time. Don't miss what God has placed in front of you. And from then, the whole thing goes on and he speaks about reaping and sowing and enjoying and many believing from what this woman had said. She became a bucket and many people believed the gospel message and they end up staying two days in a place they never even felt comfortable with. It's amazing what you do when you start to get on mission. That you start to do things, you think, oh, well, I didn't think about this before. But now two days I'm hanging around these Samaritans, I never thought it would ever work. I went to India this last year. It's been 10 years people asked me to come to India. I never wanted to go to India. I'm going back again next year and I'll continue to go as God gives me opportunity. Because when you go to places that sometimes you block off, that you put off and think, I don't really want to go there. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get involved with that. I don't want to reach those people. I don't want to talk to that neighbor. I don't want to get involved with this. I've got this issue. I've got that. And all of a sudden you miss the opportunity because you get very meal-minded. The moment you say, God, help me stay on mission. Help me share a message. And seize that moment. Things just start to unfold. Because there's a mission. And then here's what happens at the end. Many more believed. And I want you to read the last thing. What did they come to know? The saviour of the who? Of the world. Isn't that what we're about? And it all became because someone said, I'm staying on mission. His name is Jesus. He said, I want you to stay on mission. And I'm going to share a message. And once I share a message with you, you're my bucket. And I want you to be a bucket to the world. And that can happen in so many ways. You heard those, that testimony of Jamie here talking about the people going out to limitless opportunities of educators and doctors and nurses and builders and getting out to places in, in closed countries because there's an opportunity to be a bucket. And then I've just got to say, God, help me seize those moments. This is a moment. This is a moment. God, I want to seize the moment because I just want to look up, lift up my eyes and I want to see it. It's going to, take, it's going to take you to say, I'm ready to do it. God, I want to have that purpose. God, help me perceive what you see and see it the way that you see it because I want to lift up my eyes and see. Don't let me miss a harvest opportunity. This is one of the greatest privileges of the world that God says, I want to give you an opportunity to join with me. This is God, the creator of the universe, saying, would you join with me and be part of my program and be my bucket because you're on my bucket list. I want you to bow your heads in prayer. And, and while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to lift up your eyes and your heart and I want you to just think through what it is that God wants you to see it might be see just see that see, see your neighborhood differently the way he sees it see your, your schoolmates differently see your workmates differently see see the, the fields that God has laid before you he said lift up your eyes see the fields plural not just one, many. And maybe it might be God, I help me see what you want me to get involved with. 
through this local church in our missions program, monetarily, prayerfully, actively. Maybe God, you're the one who wants me to be a physical bucket to go. And that's me, God. Fill my bucket. I'm available. Maybe where you are, you might want to just grab the person next to you, pray with them. Use the altar if you choose to, or just sit there and just say, God, help me see the world the way you see it. Give me your eyes to see the world.